7 o'clock. Good morning, pile. Thanks for joining us. Jam on the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Busy Thursday show. See your voice, Mark Johnson, who, if you watched the first episode of the Coach Prime Amazon series, second season of it, by the way, um, Mark is featured in that first episode of uh, nice. the Amazon series. Oh, we got a IMDb page coming soon for Mark Johnson? I believe so, yes. Nice. Look at that. But Mark Get into it, the union? Yeah, but Coach Prime, court season two, and a couple episodes are out. And um, yeah, Mark, is, Mark is featured, I wouldn't say fairly prominently, with others like Romy Bean that works for CBS4, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Muster Tiger. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, Three yeah. people, ding, 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 we've all had on the show. Yes. One point or another uh, that, are, uh, that are on there talking about the history of Colorado football and, and just the, the effect of Coach Prime in the state. And so they, but Mark is, is on there and it's, uh, it was so cool to, <laughs> there's Mark Johnson mm-hmm. on, on the Coach Prime uh, season two. It is fascinating, the Prime effect. It took a team that went 1 and 11 to 4 and 8, and it's a failure. <laughs> <laughs> the Prime effect is, fascinating it's it was a rousing success it was incredible mind-blowing and then and it was an abject failure because (laughs) they only won three more games than last year and were far more competitive yeah in the vast majority of their games they increased their winning percent winning total their wins total easy for me to say it's okay by 300 percent and they were they were within one score of winning four other games and the season was a failure to the new Buffs fans, the Coach Prime acolytes, the long-suffering Buffs fans are like, "This is good. Let's, I'll take All this. All right, let's yeah. let's do it again next year. Let's get seven. Let's get bowl eligible." But we've talked we've talked about that for pretty much the entire time since the season has been over. Like this is two different yeah. fan bases now. There are, there, are, there are several good things about this season, great things. Yep. And there are, there are some things that aren't so great. But I still think, even though we've, we've talked about the bad some mm-hmm. lately, we've talked more about the bad, don't, don't like how he handled the Sean Lewis situation at all. Right. There's still way more good than bad out of this. Way more mm-hmm. good. I, I just think that the people... They, they they lose perspective on the, the how bad product is so much better. Yeah, on, on how bad this team was last year, how absolutely horrible this a one a one win football team doesn't say nearly enough about how bad Colorado was because you can be a one win team, mm-hmm. but you can have like a slew like eight one score losses things like it. Right. that wasn't Colorado last year. Average margin of loss was like forty points last year. That's the, some I mean, of those games weren't even that close. And some of them weren't even that close last year. I, I just, and then there are people like, and here's the one I hear now. Well, you know, all the team, you know, the teams that they beat, you know, 
they're they're not bowl eligible teams. TCU had a bad season. Nebraska, Colorado State. That's how you start to rebound, though. That's you, you beat, beat the teams that are you, supposed to be worse than you. You beat the teams you're supposed to beat. That's how you get better. I, I just and like I I it's hard to defend Coach Prime when people continually move the goalposts on him because he's a very good goalpost mover himself. But you're going to get some of that natural pushback because that's just kind of the way the world works right now. It's kind of, I call it the hipster phenomenon. It's like, wow, everybody loves CU in September. Well, (laughs) you didn't beat anybody good is the narrative in December. Right? Like Big Noon kickoff and college game day. Big Noon kickoff followed Coach Prime for a month, essentially. And now it's, well, you know, they didn't really beat anybody any good. Uh, Well, did you see what happened with this team last year? (laughs) Did you see the introductory to the team to where he told everybody in that room, I have no use for you? And when they said, okay, we're leaving, he called them quitters. Like, this is kind of who Coach Prime is. And, and you had He'll coaches. whip up the fan base, and it's smoke and mirrors, and then there's four wins. And then you have the, the then they interview the assistants on his staff, who are, who are basically they're echoing what he's saying. Look, we we can only be as good as the players we have here. Yeah. And when you're a one-win football team, and as bad as this team was, that you have to bring in different players. And like while, he's not wrong to replace the players. And, 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 while, and while we didn't entirely like the approach and guys like Montana Lamonius Craig, mm-hmm. who had the huge spring game, who ended up going to Arizona and played a big role in that, that final moments of that, that loss to Arizona over at Folsom Field, that there were guys that, to be honest, it just what you can see, watch, if you watch the, the first episode, they're going through practices, leading up to the spring game, before all the you know all the portal guys really started. Some were coming mm-hmm. in, but a lot of it was the the Colorado guys that decided to stay. And you could see the frustration on the part of of Deion Sanders and the coaching staff. Of oh, this just isn't working, and they were getting more and more guys in, and it was just it's it's like I said it's an interesting it's interesting to watch the first episode of it. And and see how, how everything went with with Rick George flying into New Orleans to to throw everybody off his track when he was going to go actually meet with Deion Sanders in person. He said most of our conversations though were over text, and and some of that that process it dives into it a little bit doesn't go go super super deep. Uh, Michael Strahan, by the way, uh, one of the executive producers of uh, the Coach Prime series, he also is on it briefly. New defensive coordinator. Yeah. It's not like he's not super busy. Never, never say never. And so, for for those that have not watched it yet, I don't, I don't think it really. I didn't feel like I I it was, I, I got a lot of releva- revelations out of it of things that I didn't already read about. No, gotcha. to a degree. But there's no super vindication of any of this randomness, or is there? Um. I think I, th- I feel like it pretty much. It is exactly what we thought it. I think it's be. fairly, you know, pretty much what we thought it was going to be. It's it's obviously paints a, a very positive picture of Deion Sanders. No, you know, so it's what did, what did you expect? 
What did very, you What did you expect? The Coach Prime docuseries put on by Coach Prime is self-serving? No. I mean, come on. What did what, you expect it to be? It wasn't going to be a hit piece. You mean he's not super critical of himself for the first time ever? No, there's there's no that. I this mean, is a guy who thinks they should build a different building at the Hall of Fame for himself. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you get the sense like when he walks in to a Dow Ward to the the football facility, mm-hmm. I believe for the first time, and I think it's Shadur is with him. Shadur or Shiloh, I can't remember which one is with him, and I think it's Shadur. And he's looking around. He sees the, the picture of Rashawn Salam Buffs, only Heisman Trophy winner, and and the national co-national championship, yeah. and and in the history, you can you can tell that he he appreciates it, that he appreciates what what Colorado's football history is, mm-hmm. and and just yeah, you know, since he's looking around, and you also get a feeling he's kind of going, yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna. I'm definitely going to put my my mark on this. Yeah. And you got that sense watching him. And he kind of puts his arm around Shadur and, hey, you know, look, look what we're going to do here. We're going we're gonna to add our names to this and we're going to be part of this. I, I thought really that the, one of the better parts of it, though, was about walk-on running back Charlie Offerdahl because he, he was, I believe, a Dakota Ridge walk-on guy. And, and his, at least the first episode is kind of, I wouldn't say the the star of, of the episode. It's Coach mm-hmm. Prime, and it's about Shadur, and it's about the yeah. Sanders. But the, he's working out with his dad, and they're talking about he's ready for this challenge of, of trying to make this roster, of trying mm-hmm. to play for the University of Colorado Buffaloes. And they're they're perfectly fine with with Coach Prime saying, look, I'm bringing my, I'm bringing my Louie. I'm bringing my, I'm bringing my guys. And if you don't want to stay here and compete, I'm okay with that. And there's a part where they're working indoors. Offerdahl makes some big plays, and he gets to to break break it down at the end of practice. Mm-hmm. He gets picked to do that. Sweet porn stash for Charlie Offerdahl, by the way. Nice. And um, and Sanders gives him a big hug, and he gets kind of he he. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for a guy that wants to compete, and Offerdahl is that guy. Walk-on kid, Colorado kid, wants to play for the Buffs, and you just you're looking for that dog. He wants he wants guys he talks about. He wants guys the character, but he wants guys that are dogs on the field, but but good in the classroom and, mm-hmm. and good character guys off the field. And you know it's the stuff you've heard a billion times. It's stuff nothing you new. Hear all the time. But it's kind of cool to see him with Offerdahl, this mm-hmm. walk-on guy, that kind of at that moment in that episode. Maybe talent-wise isn't exactly what they want, but the work ethic is there. What they're hoping to have from guys is there in Charlie Offerdahl. The unfortunate part is now that Charlie Offerdahl has overshadowed Coach Prime in episode one, he got cut. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Nobody's bigger than the program except for the coach. But Offerdahl ended up making the Buffs roster, though. So, I mean. For now. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's. It's, you know, I don't know. Let's check X in a couple of weeks and be like, man, that Charlie Offerdahl kid, he really impressed yeah. me in that first day. Oh, he's in the portal. Yeah, and, and one of the one of the better one parts of it is obviously with Peggy Copham, the CU twins, the, the surviving oh, yeah. sister, where he goes to her house 
he's as sweet as pie with her. She's adorable. You know, of course, she kicked off at the spring game. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it, it's, it's, nobody it's could so ever say Prime damn, doesn't win moms and grandmas. Yeah, uh, it's so damn sweet. And she, and she she's a charmer. If, if you haven't seen anything mm-hmm. with Peggy Copham, she's a charmer. She's like, well, come on in, handsome. It yeah. was just, that was it. Even for those that are most jaded about Sanders and stuff like that's a moment you kind of go, okay. Yeah, there, there, there are really good redeeming things about Deion Sanders. How he, how he handles roster construction, things like that. Okay, and and he's he's a guy that loves loves him some some Coach Prime. There's no doubt about that. But there's also in those moments I get the cameras on, but other things I've read, you know, away from the cameras and things, with with Peggy Copham and others, he's he's been. Nothing but fantastic with mm-hmm. people. So it's so hard because like like his mom talked about it. They have they have Dion's mom on there and she says, you know, there's there's there, there's Coach Prime, there's there's Prime, and then there's Dion, and they're two different people. And I think I want to say it was Strahan talks about how actually he's kind of an introverted guy at times. But he has to kind of dial up the personality that he's a guy that sometimes likes to not be around a lot of people and oh there's be, a whole lot of professional wrestler in Dion. Yeah, there's that he that he is it's a character and his his personality mom, but it's cranked up to 11 and, for this and environment. His, and his mom talks about that and she kind of refers to that too he's not not the same guy. So, I don't you watch it, are you going to learn anything brand new? No, probably not. You're not going to. Is it interesting to it's it's cool to see though once again something in our state mm-hmm. on on a on, you know, national streaming service about Colorado football coming off a year where they won one damn game yeah and they were the worst football program in Division One football and it wasn't even up for debate before Sanders got there <laughs> they, they wasn't sucked. they sucked you know I, and I, I get for those that say oh the four wins all came against teams that didn't even you know weren't bowl eligible but. Once again, but though, that's I, how you go I, from one and eleven to I, four. Because that's that's the narrative I keep seeing, is, well, they didn't beat anybody that's going to a bowl game. Well, but they had to be, they had to beat somebody. They start somewhere. They got to start somewhere, and you got to beat the teams that you should beat. But this is what you get and what you welcome in with the Coach Prime type character, right? There's so much hype from the facility there's so much this there's so much that that he brings that the pushback i call it the hipster phenomenon things that get so popular so fast people don't like it just because other people do it's well you know he only won four games well yeah exactly he the last coach the only reason he's there is because the other coach couldn't the other players couldn't win four games they tried their damnedest, um, and they won one game. And, and that was kind of the vibe from from the coaches they interviewed. Like, uh, was it Flea Harrell? I believe he's the associate head coach, running backs coach, and others. It's like, we're not we're not taking shots at the previous staff. We don't know how they – basically it was, we don't know how they won one game with these guys here. Yeah. And I feel bad in, in, in saying that because to me it seems a disservice to the players who were there, went through the, the work – the grind, the effort, 
but that's their feeling. That was the mm-hmm. that they were surprised that they could even win one game. But and so you're going to get some pushback just because of how prime is about the well they only won one game or they only won four games but the realistic part of it is and this is the disconnect between the people that coach prime brought and the people that have been here like your mike and scottsdales they're like hey four and eight that's great close close in the majority of the games this season people who don't know anything about colorado football that are just coach prime fans are like man it's only four and eight and the other part of the fan base is looking like, shh, shh, shut up. What are you talking worse. about? It can get worse. <laughs> so calm down. Yeah. You were, you were not here last year for mm-hmm. this. And then you get people that just, just hate just for hating sake. And it's like, well, they didn't beat any bowl eligible teams. That's because they're, they're not good. They're getting better, but still they're not great. Yeah. All right. So we'll talk with Mark Johnson who appears in uh, coach prime season two. Uh, streaming on Amazon Prime. So you get paid at scale for that. That's I don't know. We'll, we'll, have we'll, we'll, we'll have to ask yeah. him that. All right, it's time for... What's happening? It's brought to you by ComWest, your technology service partner. They help business owners grow their business by providing quality, reliable, personalized technology solutions that support and secure their business technology consistently and professionally. One call, one team, one goal, helping your business grow. They can help you with network support, cybersecurity, surveillance, or, in, or installing a new business phone system. Call them today at ComWest, 970-242-8142, or go to ComWestCorp.com. All right, uh, lead things off with the Nuggets last night. The Nuggets uh, in L.A. taking on the Clippers, game that we had right here on the team with Jason Kosminski. Nikola Jokic had the worst shooting night in his career, and the Nuggets blew a 15-point first-half lead to fall to the Clippers, 111-102 Wednesday night in L.A., just days after beating the Clippers without Jokic. Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon, all three were back on the floor in the loss in L.A. Jokic went 9-for-32. Ooh. And missed nine straight. That ties a career-worst mark. He finished with 22 points. Murray, back from injury, scored 23 points. It wasn't easy, but the 13th-ranked Colorado State men's basketball team moved to 9-0 and with their 90-80 win over Denver University at Fort Collins Wednesday night. CSU trailed by four at halftime, but came back to get the win with Patrick Cartier's 19 points and Isaiah Stevens adding 18 points and nine assists. The New York Yankees made the first big hot stove move by trading for San Diego all-star outfielder Juan Soto. The 25-year-old Soto heads to New York along with fellow outfielder Trent Grisham. Soto hit 275 with 35 home runs and 102 RBIs last season for the Padres. San Diego gets five players in the deal that includes the 13th-ranked prospect in baseball and right-handed pitcher Randy Vasquez. The Colorado Rockies drafted 21-year-old right-handed pitcher Anthony Molina in Wednesday's Rule 5 draft. Molina went 5-7 and seven with a 4.05 ERA and 102 strikeouts between AA and AAA in the Tampa Bay organization. Rule 5 players are those that are not protected on a team's 40-man roster. To bring on Molina, Colorado release pitcher Connor Siebold. Denver Broncos offensive line face another major test when they play in L.A. Sunday against the Chargers. Despite being ranked 29th in total defense, L.A. defensive end Khalil Mack leads the league with 15 sacks, and Broncos coach Sean Payton's well aware of the Chargers' ability to get after the quarterback. Well, these guys are third overall as a team in sacks. thing that jumps out at you, with, I, I would say, defensively with some things, they're, they're playing really good third down defense. They're third best in the NFL. They're at the top of the league in sacks, hurries, and pressures. Pre-game Sunday starts at noon with the 225 kickoff on the Team Sports Network. Tonight on the team, New England plays at Pittsburgh in Thursday Night Football. It starts at 530 with Westwood One. One of Colorado's rising stars now has a trophy to go on his shelf. Travis Hunter was named the Paul Horning Award winner for the nation's most versatile college football player. 
Hunter played both cornerback and wide receiver, and despite missing three and a half games, still played more snaps from scrimmage than any other player in Division I football. The defending Southwestern League champion Fruto Monument boys basketball team is 4-0 after picking up an 84-79 overtime win Wednesday night against Broomfield at the Centaurus Tournament. The Wildcats' Max Orchard scored 23 points to pace Fruto. Daniel Thomason adding 12 points. Other local teams are in action tonight with 2-1 Central playing Cutwood Academy at the Steamboat Springs Tournament. 2-1 Grand Junction plays Far Northeast in tournament play on the front range. 1-2 Palisade plays Sirocco at the Meeker Shootout. And 3-0 Montrose plays Moffat County in tournament play. Fruto Monument Wrestling Team defeated Cross Valley rival Grand Junction 58-18 in dual action Wednesday night. Wildcats picked up victories from Brand Stewart, Dylan Chilowitzki, Oren Meese, Will Stewart, Trent Target, True Tobiasen, Sean Franzen, and Tatum Williams. All the Fruto victories came by pin. Eighth-ranked 126-pound Grand Junction wrestler Murphy Harris picked up a victory against Fruta's L.J. George. And Calvert Mesa Athletics is celebrating multiple All-American recipients. In women's soccer, Saveline Randall was named third-team All-American by the D2 Conference Commissioners Association, becoming the second All-American in program history, with Lila Deer being the first. Women's volleyball, Sydney Leffler was named the D2 first-team All-American team, with teammates Sabrina Vandalist and Savannah Spitzer being honorable mention. Leffler becomes the second player to earn first-team selection since 2018, with Cassie Gifford being the first. And that's a look at... What's happening? Brought to you by ComWest, your technology service partner. If you need IT help for your business today, call ComWest, 970-242-8142, or go to comwestcorp.com. Mark Johnson, voice of the Buffaloes, joins us next on The Jim Davis Show. You're listening to The Jim Davis Show on the team, 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. It's time to talk buffs with CU voice Mark Johnson on The Jim Davis Show on the team. Well, this right now, the voice of the Colorado Buffaloes, Mark Johnson. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Jim, good morning. Always good to be on with you. Always great to talk with you. Uh, you were on my TV last night because I watched uh, episode one of Coach Prime. Well done oh. last night, Mark. Well done. Thank you. I, I did not see it, so uh, I've gotten a few messages uh, here today, and I figured that they interviewed me a number of times and, and had me do some voiceover stuff, so I figured I'd be on there. Yeah, just yeah. It's most of the segment where you talk about kind of the history of Buffalo's football and yeah. and where where things were from from last year, and so I, I guess just um, your experience with that, uh, with with being around the, the shooting at Coach Prime, you, you were involved in it to a you know to a limited degree, as you referenced, but. Uh, uh, just uh, that's once again, that's another part of the prime effect and, and having a a docu series being shot on the Boulder campus and being around the football program all the time. Well, when you walk in the facility, uh, especially around the football offices, you'll see some signs in there that say um, you're being recorded. All right. So there's more to it than that. But it essentially tell you you're you're being videotaped, you're being audio uh, recorded, and it's just part of that existence there. And so uh, it's. It's kind of an interesting deal. You, you have the time you forget about it, but uh, you know, you, anytime you go off in any major areas, there's always those signs hanging around. For example, his his weekly press conference. Those signs hang outside uh, the room in which we do that uh, every single week, and so it's uh, it's part of being around the prime program. Everything is on the record, you know. So <laughs> it's it's kind of kind of a fascinating deal, and and so you know it, to that end, Jim. Somebody asked me the other day. What are your personal conversations like with, with Coach Prime? And I said, there are none, because there are always cameras around. And so, you know, I, I'm accustomed to over the years uh, in the various interactions I have with coaches, you know, you have some one-on-one -on -one time where it's just the two of you, where, 
you know, you, you kind of get to know each other, and, and there are personal conversations or, or sometimes off-the-record conversations uh, that we have, you know, where coaches will tell you, I keep an eye on this or this is happening or uh, I'm not sure that young man's going to be on the, playing this weekend for various reasons. And so you hear those kind of things. Well, th- those are entirely non-existent because everything is on the record. And when you're with Coach Prime, there are always, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten people around. Uh, and, and sometimes there are cameras around and microphones around when you're having those. So it, it does change everything uh, to a large degree. And so those kind of interactions never happen. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, somebody said, do you know Deion Sanders? And I said, well, I know him. They said, well, do you, do, I mean, do you really know him? No, I don't. But because of those reasons, because everything is, is always on and the red light's always on. And, and so it, it does kind of change the dynamic of uh, how you interact with uh, you know the individual. I know that it's it's not a necessity to have a, a personal relationship with a head coach, but you know no. doing this as long as you have and as long as I have, that you, you develop those relationships though. And like you yep. said, there are things you learn. There's there's that that the conversations, those conversations you have that are off the record. How much more difficult, or does it make it more difficult for you to do the job that you do covering the Buffaloes with the relationship being? what it is, the limited basis that you have contact with uh, with Deion Sanders. I, I don't know that it makes it more difficult. It does alter it uh, to some degree. And, and so th- this isn't something anybody would notice if they listened to the broadcast. But one change we made was because of that, um, we started a feature this year on the broadcast. Where before you hear from Coach Prime in the broadcast, you hear from the coordinators. We do the defensive deep time and the offensive overview. Uh, where we sit down with the coordinators, and and I, I have conversations with those guys, and that's a little bit more, shall we say, traditional to what I was talking about in terms of how you interact with coaches. And so um, we we started that. I looked at our producer before the season. I said, you know, I, I don't know that we're going to have the same kind of um, relationship or conversations that, that we've had in the past. Maybe we need to look at doing something a little bit different to kind of fill in some of those cracks. And, and so we started doing that. So it's, it's not that it's more difficult. It's just that it's been altered, and we, we kind of approach it from a different different way. And so uh, whether it be Charles Kelly on the defensive side or Sean Lewis and then Pat Shermer, um, I was having those similar conversations with those gentlemen to kind of make sure I've got all of the information I need to do a broadcast on a Saturday afternoon because, um, you know, just so, so I know what's going on. And so that, that's kind of how we've altered things this year, and it, it works out great. And, and it, you know, in, in regards to so this guy that was asking me if I know Coach Prime, I said, well, that's got to be kind of tough. And, and uh, is it disappointing? I said, well, no, it's not disappointing. It's just part of the reality of it. And, uh, you know, every time I'm with Prime, he treats me very well, and we have, you know, great conversations, public conversations. And so I've always been impressed with kind of the way he handles himself. And so it, it's not a negative. It's just, uh, it's you know, there's no line, not wrong, just different. And it, so that that's kind of how uh, I've approached it this year. Buffalo's voice, Mark Johnson, with us today on the Team Sports Network. You referenced Pat Shermer uh, with, with Sean Lewis's departure to San Diego State. Bill O'Boyle, we've referenced that uh, Bill was here in, in town with CMU and Russ Martin was the head coach. And, and Bill's going to go out to, uh, to San Diego State to coach the Aztecs offensive line that uh, Deion Sanders asked about Pat Shermer and who took over the play calling the last four games of the season and whether or not he was going to be the, the play caller offensive coordinator and Dion gave kind of a, yeah, likely, you know, that that could happen. Uh, what are you hearing in regard to that about Pat Shermer? Is there 
because we're going to ask, I'll ask about Phil Oatholt in just a moment, uh, who could replace Bill O'Boyle. That's the, at least what's being reported. But what about the Shermer situation? What is What are you hearing about that? Well, I'm not hearing a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um, you know, but uh, I know that I always said that was a possibility. I, you know, here, here's the thing about, it's kind of interesting. I was doing a different show yesterday, and they asked me a similar question. I said, you know, I know if you're a Denver Broncos fan and a Bucks fan, that move does not excite you in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but keep in mind, you're talking about different circumstances and different situations and different, uh, you know, rosters and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, I, I don't, I don't have any great inside information on that for you. I can't give you any, any great uh, thoughts on that, other than the fact that uh, you know my, my interactions with Pat were very good, and, and enjoyed talking with him. Um, if you look at and, and so you can, you can criticize it from the fact that, okay, I'm a Broncos fan, I didn't like what I saw there, and so I'm not going to like what the Bucs saw. Okay, th- th- that's your personal opinion, okay? Um, I, I break it down this way and say, well, well, let's look at what was the productivity of Sean Lewis's offense and Pat Shermer's offense, and obviously there was a, a fewer number of games with Pat Shermer. The offensive productivity was greater under Sean Lewis than it was under Pat Shermer. Yeah. And, again, he took over midstream, and so... It's not an apples-to-apples kind of uh, comparison we're making here. If he were to be the guy for next season, uh, he'd have a running start at this, fully understand who he has, what he has, uh, being able to implement a system that he wanted to uh, with the blessing of the head coach, obviously. And so uh, I, I'm, just, I'm not exactly sure how to evaluate it based on just the raw numbers of the past. I mean, and that's about all we have at this point in time. But um, I, I, do, I do think I find it kind of a curious situation if it ends up being that. Uh, considering that, you know, there was not uh, that long ago. In fact, right at the end of the season, we remember Coach Prime was asked about the offensive coordinator situation. He said, oh, we've got that figured out, and, and you're going to love it or something along those lines. And so uh, that's why when I heard that comment about, you know, he, he may be the guy, I thought, well, that, that's not what I was led to believe at the end of the season, but maybe that's what it ends up being. And so with Bill O'Boyle leaving with Sean Lewis, and I guess very quickly about, about Sean Lewis. Because, uh, I mean, the feeling was the day when Dion is no longer the Buffs coach, Sean Lewis, was could very well have been that guy. Now he's going to be at San Diego State. Just your your take, Mark, on how that, that collapsed, that relationship between those two. Well, it was an interesting deal. And, it, and again, so not having, going back to what we talked about earlier, not having the great personal interactions in, in a lot of this stuff, it's hard to evaluate or give you a lot of reasons for that. But for whatever reason, um, you know, I think I said on your show, if, you know, Learfield Sports came to me today and said, hey, by the way, you're going to have a co-play-by-play guy uh, in Brooklyn against Miami this weekend, I'd look at that as a devotion, yeah. right? Because I was doing the full job beforehand. And so it was never presented as such, but I always took it as such. And what was going on there behind the scenes, I don't know. I don't know if it was one of those desperation kind of things, hey, we're, we're dealing with a lot of sacks, because the productivity had been pretty substantial, as you well know. And so we're dealing with a lot of sacks here. We've got to do something. We don't believe the scheme is uh, doing as much as it can to protect our quarterback. And so we need to make a change. Uh, and if, if there would have been some obvious things when Pat Shermer took over about a lot of max protect formations and they're using dual tight ends and maybe bringing in a fullback or using an extra tackle or whatever it might be, we didn't see a great deal of that. There wasn't an enormous change on the field of personnel that really uh, illustrated that they had done some things to kind of help their protection. And so it, it was a curious thing at that point in time. And then why at that time, with what was it, four games left, I think, of the season, you thought maybe, well, they probably could have gotten through the end of the year and then 
and then uh, you know made whatever changes they were going to. So the whole thing was a little bit head scratching to me, just simply because you know I didn't have the inside information as to why it was being made, and I haven't seen any of that sort of thing uh, anywhere else. And so I, I think everyone's kind of wondering the same questions that I'm wondering. Players are hitting the portal. Coaches are moving on. Buffs legend Darian Hagan's going to go uh, join Sean Lewis's staff at San Diego State, and I know you've you've known Darian a very long time, and so uh, that's a that's a Buffs great that it's moving on to the to the the left coast. Yeah, it is, and and you know what, what you just laid out there, um, it it you you can't be judging this in a vacuum, okay? And what I mean by that is this: I saw that I'm looking for it right now as we're sitting here, and maybe I can stumble upon uh, the numbers that I see. Here it is, I think. Players that enter the transfer portal uh, around the big or the Pac-12. Nah, I'm not, not finding it right now. Anyway, uh, the, the point being is Colorado is actually in the low end of players leaving the, in the transfer portal, and and so you know I'm getting all these messages, uh, you know, from fans. But what is going on? Well, it, 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 college football is going on. This is where we're at right now. I mean, look, look what's happening at Ohio State right now. It has been an enormous exodus on one of the top programs in America. And so, what do you have now? Is it about six players, I think, that yeah. hit the transfer portal? Six players. Yeah, six players. And and Owen Carey really doesn't count because he was not even on the team in 2023. Yeah, Mark, I just got some numbers here very quickly. From the, yeah. the Big 12 teams that are going to be in the Big 12 this next season, Cincinnati's got the most of 20th. Colorado's lower half of the conference right now right. in right. terms of transfers. And so so that, that puts some puts it into some perspective for folks. It does, and and so it really isn't shocking what we're seeing because what we're seeing around the country uh, on, on Tuesday, I, I, I somebody had put it out there. One of the uh, recruiting services put it out there that that the number of players in the transfer portal was like fourteen hundred or thereabouts, roughly, and that was uh, a, a considerable amount over what at the same period from a year ago. We knew going in this was going to be crazy. Having six players, really five, in the transfer portal is not a substantial amount. Now, from a coaching standpoint, uh, let's look at you know the Sean Lewis Bill of Oil thing. Well, those two were connected at the hip. We knew that coming in. They both came in from Kent State. When Sean came in uh, from Kent State, he brought Bill of Oil with him, and so they were kind of a package deal. And so when the whole thing happened with Sean, uh, and, and you can speculate as to why you think it happened or, or what the deal was there. I kind of figured when Sean went someplace, Bill was going with him. That right. was just my my assumption. And then the Darian Hagen thing, and I'm I'm great friends with Darian. I've known Darian now for 20 years, and and love him like a brother. And uh, we communicate on a regular basis. He's going to San Diego State along with Sean, but people are going to understand he was not in a coaching role at the University of Colorado. He's in an ambassador role. And and I think when Dion came in, he made that decision, made sure that Darian was going to be involved within the football program but was not going to be in a coaching situation. And Darian wanted to get back into coaching. And, and so it, it's basically about as simple as that. It's about so, opportunity. Yeah, an opportunity. And so it, it, people want to read a lot into a number of things, but understand what was going on, what the dynamics were within and the context was. And then you look back and go, well, okay, I guess it does kind of make sense in a lot of respects. And, and what, what we're dealing with here in terms of players leaving and coaches is – really on the, on the lower end of the scale in terms of what we're seeing around the country right now. And again, that's just the reality of college football. I don't like it. I don't think it's good for the game. But the fact that we've got this open market now where guys are just... I mean, how, how do you explain starting players on top 15 teams around the country just going, you know what, I'm leaving. I, I, I don't get it at all. You're, you're in a great situation. You're winning a lot of football games. You're... you're uh, you know, a starter or a, a significant contributor, and guys are jumping ship. And it's just amazing to me how many are just jumping around for 
seemingly just because the gate, you know, it's, it's like when, when somebody here leaves one of my gates open, my horse is just, well, the gate's open, I got to go that direction. Well, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but this, this is what we're seeing right now. Like I said, I don't think it's good for college football or, or good for the young man who is just jumping ship. See you, Voice Mark Johnson, with us today on the Team Sports Network. I mentioned Phil Lodeholt, who was an outstanding prep football player at Fountain Fort Carson, went on to play for the Vikings. Uh, before that, of course, he was at Oklahoma uh, blocking for Sam Bradford. Uh, he's been an Oklahoma analyst uh, the last couple of years, and so now it looks like Phil Lodeholt will be the guy that replaces Bill O'Boyle with the very important task of protecting Shadur Sanders. Well, that, that's awesome. I, I don't know a great deal about it. You've told me more than I actually know about Phil. Um, but I've heard his name many times over the years. And so, you know, fantastic. I, I hope that works out. I hope he has great, great success. Now, here's what Phil's going to need if he's going to have success in that role in Colorado if this is to come to pass. Uh, and that is the raw material to have a great offensive line. And, and so that, to me, if you're a, a CU fan out there, that, to me, is the one thing I'm watching. Uh, Sean Lewis, Bill O'Boyle, even the Darian Sanders, or the Darian Sanders, uh, uh, Darian, uh, 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 Darian Hagen, rather, uh, situation. That's not what I'm focused on. I'm focused on what is the raw material going to like in the offensive and defensive fronts that, that you know, would, would make Phil's uh, uh, arrival here, if that's the case, uh, be successful. Because that is the most pressing thing. And I think the number one thing that will be a factor in what happens in 2024 for the Colorado football program is what they find and who they get to play those positions because those were the two most glaring issues in 2023 that have got to be taken care of next season. Mark Johnson, Voice of Buffalo, is with us. And, and no surprise, Travis Hunter, the Paul Horning Award, uh, the, the, the job that he did this year on both sides of the football, receiver, defensive back, um, the, the most versatile player in college football. Uh, even with missing games, Travis Hunter was that guy. Yep. Yeah, with that question. I mean, it. Yeah, for those that don't know, the Paul Horning Award goes out to the most versatile player in college football, and nobody was more versatile than uh, than Travis Hunter. I was scratching my head a little bit uh, when when he got the was it the second team All Conference in the Pac-12 for the athlete special teams non-returner role, and I thought, well, he never played special teams. <laughs> so how does how do, you, how do you get that when you don't play it? I, I don't know. <laughs> I assuming. They, they, they lean more on the athlete portion of that than they right. do the special teams non-returner <laughs> because I, I am thinking, when I first thought, I went, wait, wait a minute, uh, they, in fact, Travis and I actually talked about that. He said he had no interest in playing special teams, but yet got a slash special teams award. But, no, as versatile as anybody we've ever seen in college football, period, from, from uh, 2023 back to the beginning of the game. And so uh, not surprised that happened. Uh, great, great athlete, obviously. Can't wait to see what they do with him in 2024. Do wonder if they continue to play him as many snaps as they do on the offensive side of the ball uh, moving forward. Because I, you know, I think I've told you this, Jim. I, I've talked to a number of NFL scouts who all tell me they see him as an NFL high-level, top-level cornerback. As a receiver, they say, well, we think he could probably be a, a quality receiver in the NFL. Everyone thinks the natural positions on the defensive side. And I do wonder. If, if they start to maybe focus more on that side, still have him play on offense, but not nearly as much as he did this past year. Hey, Mark, one final thing, basketball. Uh, Buffs bouncing back after the loss to CSU with that really good win against Pepperdine. Uh, and now you're off to uh, to Brooklyn, New York. Uh, the NABC Brooklyn Showcase coming up uh, this Sunday when you take on uh, when the Buffs take on Jim Laranaga in Miami. 
Yeah. Uh, love the fact they get to do the game. Not terribly happy I have to go to New York City. But, you know, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's just me. Uh, but, yeah, we go out out there. We leave it back tomorrow afternoon about uh, about one thirty, And uh, that's going to be a big game. Here you got a team that was in the final four a year ago. Has been as high as, what, seven or eight, I think, in the, in the polls earlier this year. They're like 15 right now after taking a loss to Kentucky. But a, a high-level basketball game. And so the Buffs have, have had... Uh, now, this will be their second opportunity to play somebody of that stature. Obviously, we know that Colorado State is very, very good, and uh, the Buffs didn't play terribly well in that contest, end up getting beat by five or six. Now you got another opportunity. This one happens to be just a neutral court game, uh, obviously, but still a uh, great opportunity for Colorado. And I think I think they're, they're itching. When, when we got done with the game on, I guess it was Sunday, uh, talking with a bunch of guys afterward, I know they're kind of itching for the opportunity because they, they feel like they left one on the court uh, but Fort Collins last week. And so, yeah, the great, great, great situation here uh, before the holidays. Then you come home and everything else is home until we get to uh, conference play. And so their last real opportunity to put a, a real nice nugget on their resume, if you will, for NCAA tournament time. A nice little something in their stocking before That's the right. holiday exactly for, uh, right. for the Buffs men's basketball team. Hey, Mark, always appreciate it. A great job on Coach Prime, the, the first episode. Uh, hope you get a chance to watch it. I think you'll be pleased with what you see. And, and thanks again, as always, my friend. All right, thanks, guys. See you All right, take care. All right, Mark Johnson, Voice the Buffaloes, with us today on the program. All right, uh, you can text or call the show, 970-242-1340. Jim, along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. And uh, right now joining us on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, she's the coach of the Grand Junction Tigers girls basketball team. Sydney Brandon joins us this morning on the Jim Davis Show. Sid, good morning. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing fine. Is practice going on right now? You're calling us from practice? No, I'm <laughs> in the hallway right now. Oh, okay. I'm printing some stuff off for the day. So that's sound, why you... Sound like you're at practice for a background. moment. Yeah, sound like you're at practice. Well, off to a great start. 2-1-1 mark for your basketball team. And considering the, the challenges last year and, and year one for you as a as a head coach and, and this basketball team, you got to be uh, really pleased with what you're seeing so far from your girls with a 2-1-1 with a start. Yeah, I'm really proud of the girls. Um, both our younger and our older girls. Our older girls have the challenge of not winning very much for the last couple of years. And so for them to keep fighting says a lot about their character. For our younger girls, um, in the game against Palmer when we got down 32-23 to 23, pretty late in the game, for a young team like that to fight back, you just you love to see it. So both our younger and our older girls are playing their role right now. And... I couldn't be more proud of them. Who's been the biggest surprise for you so far, Sid, with this start for your basketball team? You said who or who, what who, has who? been there? Well, so let's start with who. Who's been the biggest surprise for you? Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I can narrow it down to one. Um, I think I'd have to go with Ella Alderman. She, just this whole year in general, she's been a different kid. You see the dog starting to come out in her. Um and she, you know, she, I don't know how to say this the right way. Sure. Um, she's not necessarily our strongest kid on the floor, but she'll keep fighting and she'll look like she is the strongest kid on the floor. So she's way more aggressive than she was last year. And um, mentally, she's way better. She stays in the game. She doesn't get down on herself, and so really proud on her. I'm really proud of her for that. So other players that, that played well, like in that Palmer game, for example, uh, uh, Hayden Bennell had had the 15 points. 
uh, and Nero Sills had had eight points. Harper Young had seven. But it sounds like you're, you're getting some pretty good balanced scoring so far. It's not really just one player. Everybody's really improved, and everybody's up their game in year two as you being the head coach. Yeah, and that's what I love about this team is it's it's way more fun to play, and it's way more fun to coach when you have a team and not one or two just individuals. It's cool to see them on and off the court. They mesh really well. Um, and Hayden Hayden got moved. She was one of our fours or fives last year. She got moved out to the perimeter this year, and she's really embraced that, and she's killing it. So, yeah, it's a great group of kids again. We're talking with Sydney Brandon, coach of the Grand Junction girls basketball team, off to a 2 and one start. Uh, they have Ponderosa later on today out at uh, the Wildcat Classic at Fertile Monument. Asked you about player, the, the player that maybe surprised you the most. What's been, for you, the biggest thing? Obviously, I think scoring the basketball might be, it was the biggest challenge last year. That might be maybe the area that you're the most uh, pleased with. But what is that area for you that you're the most pleased with with this group of players? Um, I think kind of going back to what we just talked about the way that they're able to play as a team it's not really a bunch of individuals kind of last year it could have been a like the offense that i was trying to have them run it just didn't lend itself to team basketball but we switched things up we're running different things um so the way that they're passing the ball they're moving the ball they're seeing each other a lot better um which in turn then leads to more scoring Defensively, we're doing some different things, causing some more turnovers. So they're able to score and transition a little bit more. We're not turning the ball over as much. And so, yeah, and that's one of the biggest parts is not turning the ball over. And so I'm really proud of them, like in every aspect you could think of. So, Well, said, I know you put a lot of work in and your players do as well. It's, it's nice early, early on. There's a lot of season left, but it's a, a really good start for your basketball team. Best of luck against Ponderosa today out at uh, the Wildcat Classic. We appreciate you coming on for a few minutes. Thanks so much. Thank you. Sid Brandon, Grand Junction girls basketball coach. CMU great. It is great for them to just win games. One win in the last two years, and we're running tight on time, so I didn't get a chance, but did a couple Grand Junction games last year, a few years. Like, there's no shortage of want to and heart and love for the game and effort. It just... Never really came together. You and, know, they turned the ball over too much. They lit on the bucket some nights where it was the same thing, and you'd look at the box score and just be like, man, yeah, they got blasted when they really didn't. It's you not know? a lack of effort. It was just yeah. some things weren't clicking, and, and this year, year two for, for Sydney, it's, it's clicking. And you try not to feel bad, but right. the last couple of years, you're like, man, you just you want them to get a win just because they're, they're trying. You can tell they're working so hard to just – it's good to see it come. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show. Good morning, gentlemen. What are the haps? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, Jim and the Buckeye Boy. 7 o'clock hour, kind of fast and furious today. It's time for sound check this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Oh, there's a lot going on for Luka Doncic. He's a new dad. Uh, He turns 25 coming up in February. And he had a triple-double in the first half last night. 
So he's understandably very, very tired. And at that point, he remembers that just because you know curse words in English doesn't mean you probably should say them on your post-game courtside interview. Probably not. A couple of bad days in my life, so I'm just happy. Well, you look happy. You guys are playing happy. And I know losing two games at home is disappointing. I imagine it's pretty important to come out here and get this win and get it in 50-point. That's re that's resounding fashion. Yeah, uh, the point I said before the game, you know, we just can't f*** around and uh, we just get oh, you, you haven't been getting sleep. You haven't been getting sleep. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I'm sorry, but we, we uh, came out with great energy, you know, on the offensive end. That's correct. And then he I realizes the he's in. And then he oh, S-bomb. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, transfer portal, by the way. Michael Harrison tied in for the buffs mm -hmm. among those that are transferring. Uh, 31 catches, 284 yards, five touchdowns. First 30-catch season for the Buffs, for a Buffs tight end since? Well, no. Who? Darian Hagan? Well, he didn't play tight end, but. So that's no, right? That'd be a be no. Okay. Ryer Gear. Oh, it's John local, Embry was my next guy. Local product, Ryer Gear, yeah. 36 in 2009. How many Buffs are in the transfer portal? Six. Six. The Buckeyes have lost that many offensive starters. Yeah. Cincinnati's got 20. Yeah, so yeah. it'll be all right. They'll, they'll, they'll be okay. All right, hour two coming up next on the Jim Davis Show.